This podcast is brought to you by X-Blades. This is the Running Game, a podcast that covers rugby from the ground up. Tim Gilbert here. Matt Dunning. Matty, you're enjoying these weekly chats, aren't you, mate? Mate, it's keeping me interested. It's something to look forward to with uh, with lockdown. No golf, but uh, I bet I watch a bit of rugby. Obviously, the, the Lions test and then uh, the French test we've, we spoke about last week. So I bet I watch a bit of rugby. So that's been good too. Yeah, and we're just around the corner, of course, from the Bledisloe Cup. We're going to speak to former all-black prop Lawrence Helena. It is all about props today because your old teammate, Wallaby Loosehead Bill Young, is on the show as well. Maddie, now we're not far away from the Bledisloe Cup, uh, and I think everyone who loved the game of rugby after watching the French series is looking forward to it. We're, we're hopeful without any any form of confidence. It's been a long, long time. But what was it like playing against New Zealand? Yeah, incredible. You know, it was awesome playing against the All Blacks. Like, I think I played nine Bledisloe Cup games, won three, lost six, but never held the trophy. The last time Australia won was in 2002, and I came to the Wallabies in 2003. So even so, I did a photo with the Bledisloe last cup for a pr- uh, promotional thing. I wouldn't touch it. I won't touch the Bledisloe. I never have because I never won it. And that's the sort of the way it's, we sort of do it. But playing the All Blacks fantastic having the harker before the, you know obviously you get psyched up enough when you do the anthem but then to see the harker it's just incredible you just you psych ready to play and I, I love playing the all blacks they're always the test you know i play this i love playing the Springboks probably more because they ran straight at me you know they were big and they run straight so it was easy to defend and i ran straight at them but when you played the all blacks you played big mobile fits they, they were just a complete rugby side which i always you know i'd try to come out of line and put a shot on and they'd step you they you know they were just they were just a nat- they just they just natural rugby players, and uh, I remember playing the series in 2008 against the All Blacks, and we uh, we were you know I'd moved to tight head that year, and we we had a pretty good run, and we were looking really strong that year. We we, we had our hopes up, and we we played the All Blacks in Sydney, and uh, we're playing the first game. I'm, I've come off the bench, and me and uh, Ali Williams, surprise surprise, the second rower, we get into a bit of a scuffle. He hits me a cheap shot. I step out from the ruck, and I want to fight him, and I say. You know, I say a few words, but on the essence, I said, I'd rather beat you blokes 3-0 than get sent off after he punched me in the head. <laughs> Thought nothing of it. You know, just a bit of a sledge. Think nothing of it. Anyway, we went on and, and, and lost the next two or three games. The All Blacks obviously being the All Blacks. And a few a few years later, uh, Mills Mialamu writes a book and he puts in the motivation that Matt Dunning said they were going to beat us 3-0. He was on the bench. What was this bloke sledging us for and blah, blah, blah. So he writes me off in his book. And anyway, I'm going, that's so much out of context. I've been totally misrepresented here. I can't believe it. You know, so I, I'm dirty on Ali Williams even more. Like almost as bad as Backy's both are. I hate Ali Williams because of this. I think next every time I play, I'm chasing him around trying to get him. <laughs> anyway, I'm in a pub in Queenstown after we played in Dunedin and the little halfback Jimmy Cowan's there and good man Jimmy loves a beer. And we're having a beer and we're chatting and we're, you know, this is probably about 2 a.m., we're chatting, we're chatting. I said, what about your mate, Ali Williams? He's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, Matty, I've got to tell you something. I said, what do you mean? He said, that wasn't him, that was me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I was new to the team. I heard you say it. So I just took you out of context and I piped up in the meeting and told everyone you said it. <laughs> I went, you prick, Jimmy. So Jimmy Coward. So I spent two, two or three years hating uh, <laughs> hating Ali Williams and he'd done nothing wrong. But me and Ali Williams made up no problems at all because we both snapped our Achilles and I uh, we traded uh, recovery stories after. He snapped his Achilles a few years after me and he was saying, are you still in pain with your heel? I said, yeah, no, that, that eventually goes away after 
18 months, two years. So oh, um, that's a great story. Yeah, mate. But but they're always the All Blacks are great to play. Like they are the mm. pinnacle. Um, you know, playing the All Blacks at Eden Park in Auckland, fifty thousand people. Every jersey's black without a, a few gold jerseys, and the, you turn up in the bus. They're booing. They're shaking the bus. They're jeering you, mate. It's you know it's freezing cold. You know, you get out there. I remember I, got, I came off the bench one test in Auckland and I gave away four penalties in the first few minutes because I was just over-psyched and probably took too many caffeine uh, no-dos before I started anyway. But that's that's the stuff, you know. It's one of those games where you can, you can almost be overhyped when you play the All Blacks. Yeah, cannot wait to watch it. Uh, what a cracking story. And uh, no doubt you and Jimmy had a nice belly laugh in the early hours that morning. This is the running <laughs> game coming up shortly. It's all about props. Of course, Matt Dunning was a prop. One of his teammates is up next, Bill Young, former Wallaby. Well, it's always good to speak to a prop. Of course, Matt Dunning, you always get very, very excited. And an ex-teammate of yours or an old teammate of yours played and capped 46 times for the Wallabies, 100 times for the Brumbies. Bill Young, how are you? Good, boys. How are you? Great to have you on, Billy. How are you? Mate, when I heard you were doing podcasts, I didn't know what a podcast was until you <laughs> rang me up until you were like, come on my podcast. What the hell's that? Mate, um, so obviously, mate, a lot of people might know, but you're a big public in the Sydney. How's lockdown treating you with the with, with the restrictions? Oh, mate, it's not great. We're uh, we're struggling. Obviously, we've got seven hotels are all shut currently. We've got one bottle shop operating. 140 staff stood down. Um, mate, things are tough. You know, I think, you know we're, we're not the only ones doing it tough. I feel sorry for a lot of my staff. You know, they've been they've been stood down for now two weeks. Uh, it seems like it's not going to end. Um, you know. Uh, Watching, watching Saturday's parade with the imbeciles in Sydney going around town, thinking they can uh, make some impact, it's only going to hurt us more, and you know, businesses like mine are really struggling, um, and you know, people should pull their head in. But it's given you a bit of time to watch some rugby, more importantly? Yeah, I mean, what, actually, I actually have watched a little bit. I watched the French series, mate. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, you know, I'm very proud to see the Australian boys do well. Uh, you know, and what a great series it was. You know, it was some great footy. Um, some some new talent I've never heard of playing. I mean, I, I haven't followed the Super Rugby match this year, so I watched a couple of the Brumbies games, and that was about it. Um, and it, you know, it was great to see you know, the the boys do the uh, the Cadbury Wallabies proud. Yeah, and it, they, they, were, they were good games. I mean, the first, say, 40 minutes of the first game was a bit of a bludger, but after that, they were pretty compelling and close games of rugby, weren't they, Bill? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, coming, coming to, you know, when you've got uh, so few points separating a three-test series, I mean, you don't really see that. I think mean, it was fantastic. Just, you know, I think you've got a lot of people back engaged into rugby, which is fantastic, you know. Yeah, rugby's done tough for the last few years. I know you both said no, and, it's just uh, you know, a credit to um, you know to the current coaching staff and the administration. They're slowly, you know, hopefully, they're turning the tide. Yeah, you mentioned that, Bill. Obviously, rugby has been doing it tough. How have you seen the improvement, and and where can we go from where we are at the moment to get better? Oh, mate, yeah. You know, from my end, you know, operate seven hotels. It's, it's you know what we do is you know I, I, it can be a Bledisloe Cup playing the last couple of years, and uh, you know if the Tigers are playing. Penrith or the Tigers are playing a Gold Coast, you'll get the main screen viewing. I think we need to get some buy-in from um, you know, the hospitality industry and I think you know, that's something, something that uh, that the administration could look at to make sure that, they, that, that they're actually you know, getting some prime time screen showing in those venues, in, especially in those games like the French series we just had. Uh, obviously, we're in uh, 
were in lockdown for one of the for, for the third game, but you know, it's 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 a real struggle to to promote a game and get get in front of the people if you don't actually have a show in your pubs and clubs in New South Wales, in particular where I where I operate. What about for for the younger players that get picked in elite squads and they tend to sort of mix in squads when things are uh, you know, everything's open and club rugby's on? How important is it for the, some of these younger guys to be playing club rugby a lot like you and Matt did when you were representing? Um, uh, well, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit distant from it, but I certainly think um, club rugby would be would be the answer. The, you know, the ARC or the NPC, whatever we've called it, that competition. Uh, hasn't seemed to have engaged with the public. Um, I think it's hard enough for the public to engage with, you know, the Brumbies and the Force and um, and the Rebels, especially when we're not having success on a, uh, you know, on a, on a national scale, and then to try and bring in this national team where people just, just have no affiliation with the sides. It's, uh, it's struggling, but, you know, that whole grassroots stuff where, you know, that tribalism of club football is, is so important and, um, you know, I certainly think that's really where we need to almost uh, – uh, no one likes to go backwards, but you almost, you've almost got to look at models that worked in the past. We're almost becoming an amateur game in a lot of ways uh, domestically. Uh, there's no money. There's no, there's no sponsors. There's no money. So you've got to go back to where it works, where blokes are playing football together and enjoying it for the right reasons. Up at TG Milner, where Maddie and I spent a bit of time together mm. – um, some of my favourite times, and you know, when, you know, when I first started playing club rugby, you know, it, was, it was Andrew Blades, Mark Hardhill, and um, all these guys were, were test footballers, and uh, or Andrew Heath, and we're coming up against them week in week out. When you're a young guy cutting your teeth, and I think that's important to to get back to where no one's getting paid, but we're play, playing. The, the guys are playing that level. Those those development squads, I think, from a junior perspective, are a little bit heavy handed in not allowing them to play club football. Yeah, Billy, my only criticism of the Wallabies today is we're just not as smart a footballer as we used to be. I see great athletes. I see tremendous, you know, ability, but we're just not quite as smart. You come from the era of Australian rugby when we, were, we had some of the smartest football, and a lot of them came from the Brumbies. What did the Brumbies have? Why were you such a smart football side, and why did that transfer to the Wallabies so well? You know, I think it's been a Brumby hangover, really. I mean, you, you had five generational footballs from the ACT, you know, Roth, Kafer, Matt, Matty O'Connor, um, you know, George Gregan, Stephen Larkham. These guys were ACT juniors come along at the same time and they came into a club and, they, and then and then everyone spoke about the misfits coming from New South Wales and Queensland and they added – the guys that came from New South Wales and Queensland were all guys that had gone through development programs, 21s programs from their states, et cetera, like myself or like David Giffen, um, so yeah, they just—they they were already identified in, in in those in those unions, those guys, and they came in. And the five guys, you know, the five or six guys who were talented football from the ACT, they started something very special, and you know, and, and we had success. But I don't think that's a model to build on. You know, I, don't, I just don't think you know, Can- Canberra had a generational team in the in the Kookaburras in '95, '96, or '94, '95. I don't think that'll be repeated. You know, that's, it was just it was just one of those things. So you've got to really look now and think about, you know, the vast majority of players come from Queensland and New South Wales. And you've got to go backwards to where it starts in junior football. And, you know, unfortunately, their money dries up and, and, you know, trying to punch into the Western suburbs of Sydney, and that is difficult. You have to embrace private schoolboy rugby. Unfortunately, I know, I don't like to say it, but that's where the vast majority of your players are coming from. And you've got to make sure you hold on to those guys. And you've got to get guys connected in rugby again. 
um, and, and you've got to talk to junior coaches about, you know, the, the selection of athletes that we seem to be having from my perspective from the outside. You know, a lot of these athletes are junior football, which I'll go and watch my boys play league and union and I'll watch them play. And a lot of them are guys that are athletically gifted, but they've matured earlier and you're leaving behind a lot of the talent on the part because these junior these junior coaches want to win an under-15 tournament or under-16 tournament. Mm-hmm. We need to be embracing uh, you know, the, the, the kids that are going to be in the game long-term and keep them in the game long-term and aren't, aren't, the, aren't the athletes that are developed as a 15 or 16-year-old, but they're, they're developing as 18, 19-year-olds. Yeah, and then, Bill, the thing is, in that, you've got to pick footballers, don't you? And that that's where we all see it a bit, don't you? They've got to pick footballers in preference to some of the guys that might be bigger and, and stronger at that point. But you can isolate and you can look at players and say, well, you're a footballer, whether or not you, you, you've reached that level of maturity or not. Yeah, well, man, uh, you know, as a junior coach, it's easy to pick the best athletes. But, you know, rugby's a thinking game. And Matt, Matt hit it on the head. What, what I see, what, what I've seen in the past over the years gone by is third and fourth string professional athletes that can't make it in AFL and can't make it in league and playing our game. Now, our game requires thought. Now, it requires, it requires absolute specific desire and specific ideals in what, what position you play. Now, you, you know, this, this concept for me of 15 ball runners is every time that a, every time that a, that, a, that a mediocre ball runner touches the ball or carries the ball, it's five or six metres behind the game line to where a great ball runner would be. And I, and I just truly believe that the guys like myself would not even be in the game today, in today's era, because the professional, the way that it's gone, the athletics, the athletics is ahead of the thought process and, and what a guy can do to provide quick ruck ball for an Owen Finnegan coming through as opposed to a Bill Young carting the ball up. You know, I just think that's that's to me where Australian rugby needs to is at its best when we're picking position specific guys that are thought process and understand what their job is. So, Billy, you enjoy with the wall. You're enjoying with the Wallabies in a really great era, mate. You play. You win a lot of tours. You travelled a lot with the Wallabies. Can you tell me your, your, your most memorable experience, the Wallabies? And I'd love to hear that Flamingo story if you've got time too. Um, <laughs> lots of lot, lot, lots of memorable experiences, Saki. Um, uh, yeah. Playing my first test in France, something I never thought I'd ever play. You know, started from so my mum and dad were there. Um, it was fantastic. It was you know, a great experience. I won 17-14 that night. Um, you know, playing with guys like John Eels that early in my career as a captain, who was a great captain, a great on and off field captain. Um, you know, that was they were, they were fantastic moments. Some, um, you know, some great touring moments, obviously, with you, Tuck included. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to hear. What was it like playing with him and touring with him? We had Stephen Moore on the other day and we heard his debut and the way that you guys led him down a certain path the night before or the night after. Well, well Tuck was a maniac. You have to understand that for a start. He's, he's calmed down now. I mean, he's, he's as uh, – I heard Maury, I listened, I listened to your podcast the other day, I heard Maury say he's the only guy that got fit. Well, I went the other way. I've got on the darts, I'm having schooners every day, so it's not <laughs> ideal for me, Tuck. I've, I've, I've gone the way footballers are meant to go. They get fat and old, not thin and, not thin and fit like you, Gord. But um, no, we, we had some great, we, I mean, it's a different era. There was no mobile phones when I first started. Blokes could knock around and just be themselves. Now they're on this, you know, they're really judged. The, the, the judgment on, on professional footballs to me is just outrageous. And, uh, uh, yeah, the times that we had, 
you know, I don't think they'll be repeated, but probably the generation before us had better times. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah, the way definitely. it is. Bill, we could, uh, we could talk to you all day. Love to get you on again. And uh, in brighter times when the pubs are all open, hopefully we'll come and do a live show at one of the pubs. Yeah, well, mate, you're more than welcome. Love to We'd love to get rugby back in the hotels, mate, because, you know, it's been great to me. It's a fantastic game. I think uh, you know, young kids playing rugby, it's, it's, it's a great sport on and off the field. And I think people have got to remember that, that the off-field activities from rugby and what it creates, the camaraderie, is as special as the on-field moments. And, uh, and it doesn't matter if you're playing fifth grade for Eastwood or you're playing for Australia. That's what rugby, that's what rugby's special. We're all the same. We're all equal. That golden thread that Good talks about, it'd be nice to get it back in, involved. 100%. Billy, thanks a lot for coming on, mate. No problems, boys. Coming up on The Running Game, we're going to head to New Zealand and speak to former All Black, Lawrence Helena. Are we seeing the emergence of a new asset class in the sports sector? How was the breakaway football super league to be financed? How much was that private equity investment into volleyball? What are investors' plans for Davis Cup tennis? I'm Reese Lenarduzzi, the head of advisory at Athlon Partners, a global fund and corporate advisory firm specialising in the investment and acquisition of sports organisations and sports assets. I'm also host of the all-new podcast, Sportonomic. Join me as I speak to industry experts, athletes, stakeholders and other key players to uncover the curtain engine and machinations of sport. Each week, I venture beyond the mere headlines and into the depths of the issues surrounding sports business, sports law, sports economics and finance. Find us on your favourite podcast app. Sportonomic, sponsored by Athlon Partners. Come find out about the emerging universe of sports capital at athlonpartners.com. Well, it is time to head to New Zealand. And, uh, of course, our guest today, a fellow prop, it is all about props on this show. Lawrence Helena, uh, former All Black, played for Wellington and uh, a long-time New Zealand professional player. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Great to have you on, Lawrence. And as, as, as Tim said, we love having front rowers, props especially. I always say the most important position is tight head. The second is reserve tight head. And I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah, pretty much. But we, we all couldn't run with the ball in hand like you, Matt. <laughs> I already had about 10 metres in me. <laughs> but Lawrence, how, how, is, um, how is Australian rugby viewed from uh, New Zealand at the moment? Is there is there any sentiment that we should know about? No, not really. Um, I think New Zealand have got a few issues of their own to worry about. About before they start looking abroad, to be fair. Um, rugby's pretty positive here. It, it's, a, it's a very uh, social game in New Zealand um, on uh, all different levels. Um, and obviously at, at, at the top level, All Blacks and, and um, Super Rugby, and not so much Super Rugby now because I think people are getting a little bit bored with it. But certainly the All Blacks is, uh, is the pinnacle. Um, and it's got a huge following. But uh, the rest of the country sort of survives on the game week to week during the winter months. What, what about uh, – one of the criticisms of, of, of Australian rugby is that the, it's fractured in parts, and that is one of the strong suits of New Zealand is that it, it all seems to dovetail. There seems to be a system in place which goes from younger levels all the way up to the top. Yeah, and look, Kiwis are passionate about the game. There's a, at, the, at the sort of nippers age, um, there's a lot of passionate parents um, and they're there day in, day out, week in, week out, they're raising funds, they're getting kids together from, you know, all over the place to come and play on a Saturday. Um, and it's great. It's great for the community. Um, but it, it, as I said, the uh, the rugby at, at 
a more professional level, especially Super Rugby. Um, you know, attendance was very, very low. I took my son to watch uh, the Blues versus the Force this year um, at Eden Park. And, you know, like the Blues won comfortably, but the the Force um, were, were a very good side during the year, but they just didn't fire on the night. Um, and I don't think the Blues were that much better than the Force, to be fair. So for Kiwis to say that, you know, Australian rugby's down and it, it's disjointed, it's, um, it, it's probably not fair. Uh, it, it may be right across the plane from, you know, junior rugby and schoolboy rugby up to uh, super rugby, but I think your super rugby's strong. And, and Australian wallaby rugby is always strong. They're great competitors. Yeah, and it's it's funny, Lawrence. People forget that um, when Australian when the Australian rugby teams were strong in Super Rugby, we only had three sides, and generally two of them were competitive, and the other side wasn't as strong. Like people forget that 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 that. that the way that Super Rugby was built was three Australian teams, five Kiwi teams. And if we want to have a close, competitive trans-Tasman competition, we need more Kiwi teams or less Australian teams. That's always been the way because, as you said earlier, it's your sport. It's like our cricket in the summer. Everyone plays it. It's a working-class game. Have you heard any whispers of trying to do that in the Super Rugby from New Zealand? Yeah, look, you're on the money. Um, I remember my first game in Super Rugby was was, uh, back at Concord, Stadium or Oval, um, and it, it was back in the days when New South Wales were basically the Australian team. I mean, we got beaten by uh, New South Wales fifty-four to seven that day, and we had a pretty strong side, um, but we just couldn't compete. They were outstanding, um, and, and there's really no re- reason that Australian rugby can't be that again at, at uh, Super and, and uh, international level. I mean, I, I look at your rugby league. And uh, I love watching that game. And, you know, guys um, like Paul Gallen and, you know, Josh um, Dugan, is it? You know, those guys are just fantastic athletes. Um, you know, where are those guys in, in uh, rugby union over there? Yeah, what what about uh, what about the Bledisloe Cup? Um, having 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 watched and, and been a part of the All Black setup, um, what where does the Bledisloe Cup sit? Oh, you've you've virtually got a permanent spot. We haven't seen it for a long time. There's generations of Australians that haven't been alive to watch us win it. Yeah, look, it, 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 the All Blacks have been very lucky. To be fair, um, they've retained it for a long time. Um, you know, back in I think '91, uh, I was involved. Um, and uh, it, it was a very, very competitive series. I think the, the, the decider was played at Eden Park under terrible conditions. Um, and I think the score was like 6-3 to the All Blacks. And, you know, it was a great victory. Very competitive game. And the Bledisloe is one of those pinnacle, um, I guess it's like the Curry Cup to the South Africans, really. It's, uh, it, it, it's held in great regard and, and Kiwis like to keep it. Uh, as I'm sure the Wallabies like to win it as well, but it, it's the big trophy. Yeah, well, talking about that 91 side, uh, Lawrence, you played in an era when, you know, there were some uh, amazing players. Um, you know, it's incredible, like the Grant Foxes, and there's so many, Sean Fitzpatrick, so many more. Can you tell us what was so great about all-back rugby in the late 80s, 90s, when you just had that Auckland side that was just uh, ridden of, of all-blacks? Yeah, Auckland was very strong. Look, and, and it it goes back to what you were saying before. Auckland had a structure behind that team, very, very professional. Um, John Hart, Morris Trapp, uh, the support behind the scenes and behind those guys was just phenomenal. Um, the funding that was flown in through 
corporate businesses within the Auckland region to support that team was, you know, phenomenal. Panasonic uh, were one of the big contributors to that team, and they were just leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. But what you're seeing now is some years ago, uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union um, set up a grant for every super rugby union to develop players, and really the only um, province that used that money properly was Canterbury, and we're seeing the effects of that now. They are very, very well structured, very similar to what the uh, Blues were back in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, but very well structured. They've got a fantastic development program, but they also have the ability to draw kids. So um, some of our private schools and public schools here have fantastic development uh, schemes for rugby players, and St. Kenigan's one of them. You know, their, their gym facility and training facility is, is as good as any of the Super Rugby, probably better than the Super Rugby franchises that we have here. And they've developed, you know, some fantastic young players in the last couple of years, like Braden Enor from, from Canterbury and um, Dylan Popolipi um, in Auckland, you know, and that these, these they're just kids and they're coming through and they're, they're standing up and, and making their mark. It's fantastic. And it's all about, you know, resources right across the board in the country and, I guess, the passion. And what about guys like Grant Fox being around legends like that and others of that era? Well, I mean, Grant Fox is a, is a fantastic ambassador for the game and for people. Um, I had a lot of time for Foxy. He's a really nice guy. Um, and he's passionate about the game. And as these young kids come through – and they rub shoulders and they talk to these guys on one-on-one, they realise that, you know, hey, these guys are legends, but they're just human, and we can do it as well. And I think that's what we're seeing here now. Lawrence, I I grew up loving and and admiring Craig Dow, Sean Fitzpatrick, and Olo Brown. Have you got a story about packing down against that front row, which was at the time the best front row in the world? Well, yeah, I, I used to love playing against Ole Brown. Um, you know, look, it's it's funny, and, and you'll relate to this, Matt. You know, you, you come up against props and other props say, oh, I hated playing against that guy. I could never play against him. And then you come up the same guy yourself, and, you know, you don't have too many problems. Styles make fights, don't they? Styles make fights. It's like the same boxing, you know. Yeah. And, and look, I, I, I enjoyed playing Ole. Um, and... Uh, you know, I uh, enjoyed playing against uh, Grant Purvis as well. But when I played against Richard Lowe, I always struggled. I don't know yeah. why, but it's just one of those things. Um, you know, R- Richard Lowe was sort of, uh, I think, the last of the old school player where, you know, it was all, um, I'm going to win at no matter what cost. Uh, yeah. Last of, of that era of player. Um, so, you know, he, he he's uh, a guy that, I think is struggling now with um, the commitment he made to the game and his bones and fingers and thumbs are all, you know, giving him a hard time arthritic-wise now. Um, but, hey, he, he doesn't care. He uh, made a milestone and set a president, and I think he's a pretty happy guy about it. Yeah, he certainly had a reputation, Richard Lowe, that's for sure. Well, what, what, what an era. <laughs> Lawrence, great to chat with you. I love asking this question. Why, why is, to wrap it up, why is rugby the game they play in heaven? What, what, what is the magic for you about this, this great game? Oh, look, I think it's, it's, uh, it's all camaraderie. Um, it's, it's about, you know, meeting people and, you know, you, you, you veer off from your rugby days and, and you meet up again with guys you played rugby with and against. And it's just that that common theme amongst uh, young Kiwi blokes. And uh, you get older, and it's still a common theme. It's um, 
it's fantastic for the country. And hey, look, if you look at New Zealand, um, you know, everyone talks about New Zealand. The first thing they think about is the All Blacks. Absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on uh, the running game, Lawrence. We'd love to have a chat down the track. Yeah, no, I look forward to it. And uh, if this COVID cleans up, maybe we can have a beer at a game of rugby at some stage soon. Sounds good, Lawrence. Look forward to seeing you then. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, lads. That's it for The Running Game this week. We'll be with you every week with more rugby chat and great interviews. Follow us on your favourite podcast app. Thanks today to Bill Young and Lawrence Helena and any kind of wonderful, our producer as well, Mr Dan McHugh. See you next week, Matty. See you, Timmy. Have fun in lockdown for another week. Oh, well, we're all in it. (laughs) 